We're in a series and journey um, called Undaunted. We, we've been going through the book of Daniel. Um, this week we're in Daniel chapter 5. And, and, and the concept of this series is, you know, how, how can we um, live? How can we be firm? How can we walk in our faith when circumstances don't necessarily help us along the way? When, in fact, we're tempted to do otherwise. When, in fact, the force is against us and people might even come straight out against us and try to get us to do things that just aren't right. And we see positive examples of Daniel, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we see negative examples of Nebuchadnezzar last week with pride and this week with one of Nebuchadnezzar's descendants, Belshazzar, um, who has pride and then some. And, and so, so we have some positive examples and some negative examples. And this week we're going to be looking at another negative example. Um, last week we talked about how it's so much more fun to learn not the hard way but the easy way. And that sometimes we learn things the hard way. Like I told you about me, you know, hitting myself in the head with a hammer. Um, I was learning not to do use sharp or hard instruments in your own direction, but to do them away from you. Um, and so we sort of talked about that last week. Well, this week we're going to talk about... Um, this concept of, of honoring God, and I, I sort of gave the, the opening illustration, the greeting question of what's something you used in the wrong way, something for the wrong purpose. And we, I, I'm guessing everybody has done that, where you've like tried to make something happen without the right tool, and you ended up messing up something in the process. Like we have a, a, a knife in our butter drawer that is not the name sh- same shape as most knives. Guess, guess what shape it is? It just sort of curves up on the end, right? Because you, I use that knife to try to wedge something or twist something or something. And so it sort of goes like this. And so if like for spreading, it's just, it's, just not, it's just not as good because it sort of curves up. I think I, I've tried to put it back down. But, but we do that. We, we use things that are not used for their intended purpose, and we end up damaging them. We end up, things just don't go the way. That, sometimes they can work. Sometimes they can work great. Sometimes you find new uses for things. Um, but a lot of times, when we use things that they're not intended for, um, we end up breaking and damaging them. And so the concept I, I want to talk about today is that sometimes um, we do that in our lives. I, instead of using the things that God has given us, instead of honoring him with the things that he has blessed us with, we instead sometimes use them for things that are not right. <clears throat> and in fact, things that are dishonoring to God. And, and disaster oftentimes ensues. And so in this story, we're going to look at the example of Belshazzar. And he, he um, it, as we read this story, you're going to notice very different. If, if you remember like when the story about Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel sort of liked the guy. And, and when, when Nebuchadnezzar had the bad dream, he's like, oh, if this dream had only been about one of your enemies and not for you. And there's this good relationship and Nebuchadnezzar repents and he gives glory to God and all this kind of stuff. Belshazzar, totally different deal. He starts off and not only is he arrogant and doesn't learn the lessons from his dad... He actually takes some instruments, takes, takes the, the cups and the bowls and dishes that were stolen from the temple, and he uses them and throw in a party. He uses them just sort of for this drunken, not, he's used for this big celebration of all, he's throwing this big party. So he uses the actual elements out of the temple, they're supposed to be for worship for that. And it's very interesting. He's completely, he's like shoving his finger in God's eyes or spitting in his face. I mean, he goes beyond simple pride and arrogance, he goes to just you know, being very offensive to God. And we're going to sort of walk through this story, and we're going to see that, you know, there's some good examples of Daniel, what he does. Um, but what I sort of was convicted of when I was looking at the story is that I, I sometimes am like Belshazzar. That I take the things that God has given or has entrusted to me, and I don't use them for him, I use them for me. And so we're going to talk about that today. My, my, my hope is, is that today... Um, <clears throat> 
And we're going to come out of here with a, with a like last week we, we sort of had a, we want to come out of here with a statement that we can sort of commit to, to say that, that we um, will praise God, not ourselves. That's what we talked about last week, that we're not going to be people full of pride. We're not going to be people who are searching for our own. We're going to praise God, not ourselves. This week, I sort of have a negative statement of a main point. And, and, and what I'm saying is, we will not dishonor God. We commit as a body, as a community, to live in a way that does not dishonor God. We don't want to take the things that God has given us, that God has entrusted to us, and then just disregard God. And live in a way as if he didn't really care, he didn't matter, he wasn't involved. And then even take those things and use them in ways that even dishonor him. And sometimes we can slip into that. All of us can. So we'll talk, that, we'll talk about that and we'll, 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 we'll sort of flesh that out a little bit today. But then sort of the commitment I want us to get to is at the end of the day we'll say, hey, I'm going to be more intentional about my life and, I, and, and, and I'm not going to be a part of dishonoring God. In fact, I want to live my life to honor him. I want to live my life in submission to him. So that, that's where we're going today. And so we're going to do that by reading the story in Daniel chapter 5. And so I invite you, if you have your Bibles, remember you can use that place called the Table of Contents if you have not uh, found that nice little device in your Bibles, because Daniel's hard to find. Um, but I've, I've got one of those little tags, and so I have Daniel here. Um, so I will read, maybe you're doing an electronic version, and it'll be on the screen, but I'm going to read um, Daniel chapter 5. And there's actually a couple idioms in our language, one of them, a very famous idiom that comes out of this um, passage. You ever heard this statement, the writing's on the wall? That comes from this story. Okay, so a lot of idioms come from Bible stories, but that, that idiom actually comes from this story. Now, we use it in our culture different than it happens in the story, but that's where it came from. Okay, well, here we go. Daniel chapter 5. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So that the king and his nobles, his wives, his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale. He was so frightened that his knees became weak, his legs became weak, and his knees were knocking. The king summoned the enchanters, the astrologers, and the diviners, and he said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale, and his brother and his nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There's a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. 
He did this because Daniel, who the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams and explain riddles and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel. He will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you, Daniel, one of the exiles my father, the king, brought from Judah? I've heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I've heard that you're able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself, And give your awards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Your majesty, the most high God gave your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like an ox, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, your concubines, drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. Here is what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. But do you sense a different feel in that story? <clears throat> it's very different from Daniel being in this nice tit nice close relationship with Nebuchadnezzar. In this one, it just starts off, Belshazzar, he's all of a sudden doing something that's incredibly offensive. Daniel comes in, I don't want your gifts. Here's the word, boom. It's just very strong story. Um, and it really all comes down to um, Belshazzar completely disregarding God. If you notice at the beginning of the chapter where it starts, it starts at the very beginning. He's giving a great banquet, verse 1. Thousand, a thousand of, I mean, huge banquet, thousands of his nobles, you know, drinking with him. And while drinking, he gives the order for the goblets to be brought in. It says this twice. It says in verse 2, he gave orders for the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple 
It says, so they brought in, and it says, verse 3, the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles and wives and concubines drank from them. And then verse 4, as they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So very clear, he has no regard for the God that these instruments were used to worship. Right? So, so how he's treating these, these, these items is sort of his view of God. In other words, like, he's like, he's not, you know, he, he's not going to do anything. He, he's, he's of no regard. Now, it would, it, you know, sometimes we think of the examples of, of the way you treat people's things is, is sort of your view of them. Um, you know, let, let's, let's say if I, if, I, if, I, if I came home today, let's say I, you know, Teresa got home before me and I came home and all of my stuff was thrown outside on the street, you would think I'd probably done something pretty bad wrong and she was not happy with me, Right? How she treats my things reflects what she thinks of me. Um, but in, in this thing here, what he's saying is, I'm taking the actual instruments of worship from the temple that were, that were taken when Nebuchadnezzar took over Jerusalem. I'm taking these actual things that were used somehow in worship, and he's taking them, the Belshazzar is taking them to, to drink and to have this party celebration and to worship other gods. I mean, that, 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 you, can't, you can't get much more intentional and directly saying, you know, this God is not somebody I need to worry about. This God is not somebody I have to take into account. And in fact, he is submitted to these other gods. And so I'm going to take his things and use them in worship of this other being that I believe in. So, that, so it, it's set up really clear. Now, what happens then is this, you know, this hand appears. I mean, I mean just, just, I, can you imagine... I mean, they're having this huge party, this huge celebration. It's lit by candles, evidently, because he says by the lampstand. So, so, so here, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this hand appears. And, and they didn't have, like, holographs and CGI and all that kind of stuff back then. You know, today, we, 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 we'd be looking around for projectors. We'd be looking around, how is this happening? You know, they had none of that stuff. And this hand appears and starts writing on the plaster on the wall. And it starts writing these words. And, 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 and everybody's freaked out. And, 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 and the king himself, for some reason, the king is highlighted as being absolutely terrified. Now, I'm guessing most people were pretty scared. Now, maybe, maybe the king has, he has some sort of inkling that he's not doing something quite right. But, but I, mean, I love the description of him. His, you know, verse, verse 6 talks about his face turned Pale. He was so frightened, his legs became weak, and his knees were knocking. Have you ever been in that circumstance before? Where you're like, Ugh. you know, when you are just so scared that you're just like, oh my goodness, you're, you know, you're. I had a guy once in our house. We were in college, and a guy that had sort of like a breathing attack, and 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 he 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 could not breathe. He was just he, he could breathe, but he was just it was starting to get harder and harder, and and, and it just I, I was getting scared because here he is in my house. Is this guy going to die? Man, we get in the car, we like rush off. You know, I, I, there's been these times you may have had in your life where you're just scared. You're in this circumstance. You're just like ah, oh. and, and that's what he describes. I mean, he is pale. His legs. I mean, he has a hard time standing. His knees are just you know, you know, he's just, he's just knocking and 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 then and he, so he calls in everybody. Calls in all the people of the kingdom who can help him out. And he offers them this great reward. The reward's mentioned several times. You know, clothed in purple, which is like royalty. Gold chain, third highest in the kingdom. And they all came in. None of them could do it. They were baffled. Baffled. And so I love verse 9. So the king became even more terrified. And his face grew more pale. I mean, how much wider can he get? 
You know, by this time, he, 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 he's really, he's, all the blood is just completely drained out of him. And he's just, he's at wit's end. Then the queen comes in. The queen says, you know, okay, you know, there is somebody who helped, who helped Nebuchadnezzar out. And so she remembers Daniel. And so, so he calls in Daniel. And what's interesting, if you get down to verse 12, or verse, verse 13, he says, So Daniel was brought for the king, and the king said, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father brought from Judah? So here he is using the cups and the goblets from the temple in Judah. And he's asking, are you the guy from, are you from this, are you from Judah? Are you one of these exiles that my dad said? So it's, all, it's all pieced together. He goes, I've heard you can do this kind of stuff. He goes, I'm, I'm going I'm to give you all these things. You know, I'll, I'll give you the, the purple, the gold, the highest position. And Daniel's response is great. He goes, you can keep it. In other words, he says, I'm not motivated by what you're going to give me. This is not motivated by, by what I can benefit to you. I'm going to tell you what it says. But it's not for money. And what does he do? Does he immediately just say this is what it means? No, we get down. I mean, like, we have to read the half the chapter before he finally gets to the words in the wall. Right? What does he do first? He gives them a history lesson. He, in other words, he, he's not content just to say, here's what it means. Da, 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 da. He actually explains to him not only what it means, but why he's accountable and why he's in trouble. He, he is so strong. He is so strong in presenting the truth to Belshazzar. It, it, I, mean, I, I get chills just thinking about it. I mean, this guy walks in and he comes to give the king a lesson. God has this message and he comes in and he says, I, I, I'm not going to short this message. And so what does he do? He first says, he reminds him of the story from the last chapter. He says, your father, God gave you, notice how he starts, verse, verse 18. Your majesty, the most high God, that's what they, they referred to as Yahweh, the God, you know, that's what all the last chapter was about. The most high God gave your father, Nebuchadnezzar, sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high positions he gave him, all nations, peoples, every language dreaded and feared him. So he said that's the beginning. All this came from whom? From the Most High God. From this God, Yahweh. From this God that whose goblets you're just like having a party with. So he does. He backs up and he says, God is the one who put your, your you know, Nebuchadnezzar in place. He's the one who is sovereign. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that we, we talked about several weeks ago. That we oftentimes lose in our daily day lives. We forget that God actually is sovereign. God is in control. He is the one in power. And that's one of the main themes of Daniel, that God's in control. I'll just keep moving. But I just, he highlights that for him. And then he says, you have forgotten the lesson, basically, that God did with Nebuchadnezzar. God did all these things. He tells the whole story of how he was stripped of all of his splendor, became like an animal, until he acknowledged, verse, verse 21, it says, until... He acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms and sets over them anyone he wishes. So he says, basically, you know this story, you knew this story, and you have completely disregarded it. So that's the first thing I just want us to remember is that sometimes we know the right things, we have seen the right things, and we just forget about it. I mean, how many of us in this room just make, the same, make, make a mistake one time? 
<laughs> Not a one of us, right? We make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Even though we know better. I don't know why that is. That's pretty frustrating. That we see God move, we see God act, and yet for some reason we think, oh, maybe I just give it another shot going my own way. We're a lot like him. I know I've seen it in my life. I've seen God provide. I've seen God care. And then, and then I get all worried and anxious. But wait a second. If I, why do I need to be worried and anxious if I truly believe God is sovereign and God is in control and he just wants me to be faithful and he'll provide? Why do I worry? Because I forget what he has done. So, the, 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 so I want us just to, first thing, I want us not to be like Belshazzar. I want us not to forget what God has done. Not to dishonor him. Not, not, not to think that all that he has done before, we can just disregard and pretend like it can be erased from history. But instead that we would look back and we would say thankful. We would look back and say, okay, God, what did you do in the past? We look back and say, okay, because of what you've done then, you've even shown it to me personally. I can trust you. So the first thing is we don't want to be like Belshazzar. We don't, we don't want to dishonor God by forgetting what he's done. But then what he goes on, in verse 22, and this is how he's different. He says, but you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Verse 23 is where it really gets tough. He goes, instead, instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets of his temple brought to you and to your nobles, your wives, your concubines, and you drank from them. You praised the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the God who holds you in his, holds your hand, holds his hand, holds in his hand your life in all your ways. Therefore, he sent you this inscription. I'm going to handle the inscription real fast, and then we'll hop back to that. The inscription, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson, and you may have noticed when he interprets it, he says, Mene, Tekel, Perez. You're like, it's like talking about different words. Aramaic... About half the book of Daniel is actually in Aramaic, which is the spoken language. Almost all the Old Testament's in Hebrew. There's a couple of portions that are in Aramaic, parts of Daniel, parts of Ezekiel. It was the spoken language in the, in the known world at that time. And so when King Nebuchadnezzar is speaking, he's speaking in Aramaic. When Daniel's talking to the king, he's talking to him in Aramaic. And so they have this portion that's actually in Aramaic. And Aramaic, like Hebrew, is a language that's based on consonants. And then you, then you add little dots and lines underneath those consonants to make those words, either nouns or verbs or adjectives or whatever else, and then you add prefixes and suffixes to sort of make the word happen. But it all centers around a three-consonantal root. Okay, so three consonants are the root. And so for these words, many, many tickle parson, but it probably was written on the wall, the three consonants for mene are M-N-H. Okay, so you have an M, an N, and an H in Hebrew, and then they would put little dots around it. So it probably says M-N-H, M-N-H, T-K-L-P-R-S. Okay, so that's probably written on the wall. M-N-H, M-N-H, T-K-L-P-R-S. And, 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 and if it had the pointing vowels in it, then that's where you would get mene, mene, tekel, parson. Those little vowels would make it so you, so you could say it. The way of those words, mene, mene, tekel, parson, that's actually four nouns. And it means mina, which is like a, a weight. Uh, it's, it's, it's a volume of weight. Mina, mina. Tekel is another weight, like a shekel. It's the Aramaic form of shekel. So, so mina, one type of weight became a currency. Shekel, which is another one. And then pairs is a half. So, so, so it would be like, you know, uh, $50, 10 bucks and a half. Or, or you know, or $100, $20 and a half. And so this thing, it's, you know, it's a, a mina, 
amina, a shekel and a half. And like, how do we interpret this? What does this mean? So Daniel has the interpretation from God, and what he does is he shifts the vowels around, and he, say, he, say, he says, mene, he says, you've been, that, that actually, if you change it to a verb, it means to number, to count something. And so he says, mene, <laughs> your days have been counted, and they're done. Your time's up. And then he says, tekel, and, and, and the, 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 the verb form of that, you can see it here, he says, you've been weighed, it means to weigh. And so he says, you've been weighed on a balance and you just don't quite weigh up. You know, you didn't make the cut. You're done. And then Perez, and you put the vowel. That, that's, why, that's why the first time it says parson, because it's one pointing of the PRS. Down here it's the verb form of the PRS. And it's parson. And he says, it's been divided. So it's, it's the same root. And then he just gives an interpretation. He says, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And in fact, Persians is the PRS consonants too. You just put different letters in that's the Persians. But in any case, so he just takes these, these words on the wall and he interprets them and says, basically, God has decided your time is up. But I want to get back to verse 23, where he says, instead, you set yourself up against the Lord of heaven... And you've, you've praised, you've praised the gods of stone, which cannot see, hear, understand, but you did not honor the God who holds your life, holds in his, holds in his hand your life and all your ways. The thing that gets me um, is that not only did Belshazzar not learn the lessons of, of what God had done in Nebuchadnezzar, he took the very things of God and used them for purposes that dishonored God. He took the very things that were supposed to worship God and he took them to worship things that were not God's. Idols of stone and iron and bronze and silver. And do you see where I'm going with this? That sometimes we do the same thing. We take the things that God gives us for our good to be used to be in relationship with him, to be used to honor and to bring praise to him. And instead of using them for that, we begin to use them for other things. And maybe even things that dishonor him. The Bible talks about how that we are supposed to be living sacrifices, that all we do, all that we live, all that God gives us is for our enjoyment and for his good pleasure and to honor him. So our lives are supposed to be this expression of enjoying all that God has given us and living our life in enjoyment before him in a way that honors him. There's nothing wrong with having good health and running and enjoying. There's nothing wrong with having a good mind and thinking and writing and making money. There's nothing wrong with with all these things that God provides us with as we use them to honor Him. But sometimes we begin to think that God is not relevant. God is not important. And in fact, these things aren't something to be used for my pleasure and to honor Him. They're to be used for me how I see fit. And sometimes we can even begin to use those things in ways that dishonor Him. Let me give you an example. Let's say, for example, um, you know, you play a sport that's very violent, football. You've seen the movie Concussion, you know, all the damage that can happen if people don't protect their head well. Well, imagine if you have this, someone gives you this fantastic football helmet, the best technology, the most insulated, the best thing, and you take it and you go, oh yeah, I can play football, this is great. And instead you start going, shkoon, 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 shkoon. You start hitting yourself in the head of the football helmet. That guy's like, what are you doing? I gave you this helmet to protect your head. So that you could play the sport and you could have a lot of fun and protect your brain so it doesn't swash around in your head. And you're taking the helmet and you're beating 
yourself in the head. You're using the very thing that's supposed to protect you to hurt you. It could be like someone who raises all sorts of money to start a clinic, to start a thing to help people who are in drug, drug problems, to start a drug rehabilitation program. And they raise all this money to do it, and they get all the money, and then they go spend it on drugs. The very thing that's supposed to help them, and they're supposed to use to help others, they use to destroy themselves and destroy others. Think of how hard that would be for the person who gave the money. Think of how frustrated the person would be who would give the football helmet to someone who would use it to destroy themselves. And I just want to get that. That's the picture that we have here. God gives us things. God blesses us. God gives us things that we are supposed to use to honor him, to seek him, to glorify him, to enjoy his presence, to walk with him day in and day out. And we can just tend to forget all about him. We can say, God, I'm only in, I'm only in fifth grade. I don't got to worry about you until I get older. Or God, I'm in middle school. I've got enough things to worry about right now. Or God, I'm in high school. I'm just trying to get through here, get to college. Or I'm in college. I'm just trying to get through. I'm trying to find someone to date, someone to marry, trying to find out what I want to be when I grow up. You know, or I'm out of college. I'm trying to find a spouse. Oh God, we just got married. Oh, we've got to have these kids. That's my most important thing. Oh, we've got to get my job. We've got to get my career going. God, later. Later. Or, or God, I mean, whatever stage we are, we have all these excuses where we begin to think that I'm most important. And we, all the things that God's given and blessed us with, we can just forget about him. And we can think it's all about us. And we can forget that he's sovereign and he's in control. And his desire is for us to use those things in relationship with him. To enjoy him in that process. To enjoy him in fifth grade. To enjoy him in middle school. To walk with him in high school. To walk with him in college. To walk with him as young adults. To walk with him as young couples. To walk with him having kids that are getting older and you're trying to figure out what to do. Or kids that are getting married. Or kids that are, that are really old. You know, whatever. God's desire is for us to enjoy this life and to walk in submission to him. But sometimes we can be just like Belshazzar and think, no, it's just about me doing what I want to do. And sometimes we can take the very things God has given us and we can destroy ourselves. We can take intellect and beauty and we can pursue things that dishonor God. We can take skill sets and relationships. And, and we, 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 can, we can take abilities at work. We can take athletic ability. We can take, we can take business acumen. We can take all, anything that God gives us. We can take all of it. And we can sort of leave God out of the picture. And at the end, we become like one of those bent knives. It's a little messed up. And those things that he's given us become tarnished and become broken because they're not used in submission to him and for his glory. You know, we can say, hey, well, maybe this relationship thing didn't work out, but I'm going to try it again. I know it didn't work out, you know, but I'm going to keep going my own route and try again. You know, or, or you know, my, my career thing, you know, I, I know I'm cutting corners, but that's okay. I haven't gotten caught yet. You know, or at school, you can be like, you know, I, I, I'm not that interested in people knowing that I'm a believer. I'm not, I'm not interested in actually thinking of others. I just want to get through this place. <laughs> I want to make it through the day. 
You know, but, but God actually calls us to honor him, to, 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 to serve those around us, to reflect Christ. So that, that's my hope today, is just to say, hey, you know, what area in our life, what area have we become blind to? What's some spot that maybe we just, we, we, we've started to use the things that God has given us not to honor him, but just for our own good, for our own interest, for our own self-satisfaction. So I'm just going to take a minute. We're just going to pause and be quiet for just a second and just prayerfully consider that. And again, my goal never in journey, I don't ever want to give people guilt just for guilt's sake. What I want us to do is to realize when we're not pursuing God, we're missing what he has for us. So, so as I ask us to pray, and I want us to take a minute to, to reflect on where are we perhaps disregarding God? Where are we dishonoring God? It's not so that we can feel guilty and beat ourselves up over the, you know, wherever. But so we can say, God, I want to give this to you so I can experience you. So I can walk with you. So I can enjoy your presence. So let's just pray for a second.